Right now, companies spend a lot of time and money transferring data between applications manually because interoperability does not exist. So it's a very costly problem um, across every company in the industry. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction, innovation, and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Tom Reno. He's the co-founder of Agave. Prior to Agave, Tom worked at Amazon Alexa as a technical product manager, leading three engineering teams, building tools for data integration and knowledge management. Tom co-developed Alexa's knowledge skills product from pitch to public launch. Welcome to the show, Tom. Todd, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, looking forward to it. This has been a, a long time in the making, so I'm glad we can, can finally come together and, and make it happen here. Yeah, thanks for being flexible. Uh, I've, I've listened to uh, a few episodes and uh, excited to now be a guest on the other side. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, I always like to start with how people found their way into the construction industry. So what's kind of your, your origin story into the industry? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, it's probably not a typical one for uh, guests your podcast, but um, our, our founding teams, we have four founders, I'm one of four. We actually uh, come from software development, so we, we don't have a background in construction. We, we really uh, happened upon the industry through circumstance, and that circumstance was we all met at a startup uh, back in 2014, so uh, eight plus years ago at this point, kind of crazy. Um, and we were in Santa Barbara, California, which is about an hour and a half north of Los Angeles. Of course, you might know Procore is based in yep. Santa Barbara, California. So we were yep. building a startup. We were senior level employees there building consumer technology, uh, really nothing to do with construction or, or what we're doing today, enterprise software. Um, but we built an offshoot of our technology, which allowed people to aggregate data, connect it, integrate it, and ask natural language questions of the data they've connected. So for instance, uh, you could ask, um, it was almost like a Google search, um, you know, how many, what's the fastest car uh, under $30,000 that comes in blue, things like that. That's what we were doing for, uh -huh. for consumers. We built an offshoot of that and we actually um, built a product for Procore, um, having no experience in construction. So that was our first touch point was built this cool technology. It was useful for consumers. Can we apply it to enterprise applications? Procore is right down the street. We, we built a proof of concept for them. They liked it. And uh, this is, I think, back in 2016, we saw the potential of, hey, there's fragmented data even within Procore, let alone outside of Procore across the, all the other apps that, that contractors might use, connecting it, giving visibility and making that data useful, um, there's a big product and a big market there. And that was uh, kind of the, the first touch point we had with construction. Long story short, we uh, were set to launch that. And then Amazon came in and acquired the startup. So that actually never hit product uh, and, and publicly was launched. So that was living in our mind while we were working at Amazon. Fast forward mm -hmm. to a year and a half ago, and we started Agave to uh, revisit that idea. So that, that's how we got here. Interesting. So what about uh, construction and, and that idea kind of just percolated in your mind the, the whole time that you really wanted to, to dive in and make it become a reality? Yeah, I think a few things. Um, one, we saw, we were in Santa Barbara for, for five years after that. We saw the explosive growth of Procore. So we saw that the, there was a market opportunity for digitizing a, a large industry and, and starting to take online um, workflows that were offline in Excel or on pen and paper and just getting them in software, just getting them stored in databases. 
And that was step one. And Procore's doing a, an excellent job with that growing like uh, like crazy there. And then two, Procore's not the only piece of software. There's a lot of software out in construction that we saw pop up, um, some of which was in Santa Barbara, a lot of which was not. And connecting data across them because no contractor uses just one piece of software. They use many. Um, and in parallel, we were doing the same thing for Amazon Alexa. So what we were doing there was connecting thousands of data sources from public governmental databases to private data feeds for stock information to website information and really doing the same thing, connecting fragmented data, making it useful for people when they ask, in our case, questions of Alexa, hey, what's the stock price of Amazon or whatever it is, answering questions. Could we do that same thing for this massively growing and starting to be digitized and come online industry, which is construction? So that was leaving the back of my mind. We're building tools for this one consumer application. Could we do that for the enterprise side in construction? So that, that was the, mm. the um, theme living in our minds for four and a half years. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are the uh, maybe uh, unique hurdles in construction in trying to, to bridge that, uh, that data gap? that is uh, not similar to other industries that, that you come from? Because I feel like in construction, some of the, the, the rap on, oh, well, we can't become totally uh, data interoperable because it's just too complex here in the industry. So from, from your vantage point, A, is that true? But well, maybe I'll stop talking. You, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. That's a good question. So um I think, I think there are a lot of differences. So the, the first one that comes to mind is the consequence of um, what you're doing, that you actually drive business value when it works well. But on the other side, if it doesn't work well, there's consequence. So there's people who are hesitant to connect data or to attempt to do that, because if you're writing data, pushing data into an ERP for financial transactions, um, that can have major business impact on a job cost or a legal implication of ownership of a contract or, you know, these things have real value for companies with maybe not huge margins. And uh, the impact of what you can do is when things don't go wrong or when things don't go well and they, and they go wrong um, are, are very challenging. So I think there's a hesitance and, it, and people are more conservative around doing that as a result, uh, which makes a lot of sense. So I, th I think that's point one. Um, th does that one make sense? There, there are many others we can go through, but I think that's the one that jumps out at me. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Maybe on the the flip side of that question, what are some of the the common hurdles then on really sinking in data that everybody experiences? Yeah, I think um, in construction, especially in the finance side, there's a lot of systems that uh, contractors, both general and especially contractors, have used for decades, and it's been around for a very long time. And people are comfortable with it; it works really well. Um, the cost structure works well for their business. They're time tested. They're they're bulletproof in a, in a way. But those systems are hard to get data out of and to get put data back into, right? So these, we're talking ERPs, accounting, finance systems. Um, these are hard systems to integrate with, which is a lot of the value we deliver for our customers is we put a modern cloud RESTful API interface, meaning a really easy way to get data in and out of these systems, which might have been built 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so these are very difficult to integrate with systems we wrap them in a nice uh, interface such that it becomes um, almost like you're interacting with a system that was launched last year, very modern cloud-based system. And really construction companies use ERPs as the nervous system of, of their job costing and, and financial uh, management for their company. So that, that's a major hurdle is a lot of these systems aren't cloud-based. They're run locally, AKA known as on-prem. And 
that's a lot of where the valuable data is stored. So getting data out, but also putting data back in is, is hard. And there's no good way to do it today, which is the problem we're solving, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love that you guys are are tackling it too from uh, the, the user interface yeah. of it to, to make some, some complex things just easier to, to interact with. Because I think that that's, that's a huge part of the problem is that these systems are just, they're, they're, they're not pretty and easy to look at. No. And so people don't want to be engaged in and try to spend the time to figure it out because it just takes too much brain power for. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, on the other side, it's, I think it's highly unlikely and, and unfair and unrealistic to ask companies to migrate away from these tools. These tools are deeply ingrained in their business for good reasons. They work well, they're time tested, but to ask a company to migrate their ERP, I mean, you'll, you'll get laughs or, or thrown out, thrown out of the building. Uh, if you, if you raise that question, it, it's a non-starter for, for most companies. So, um, working with the existing systems, but bringing them into the current state of openness, APIs, interoperability is really what our business does. So our value prop for a contractor might be stick with your current system. It works well for you, but get the benefits of adopting a new cloud system by having it integrate and connect seamlessly with all the other products you use. So we, we tread a middle ground there where you don't have to rip and replace. You can keep and integrate, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's take a, a deeper dive on interoperability and, and what that really looks like in reality. So uh, what does interoperability, what does that mean to you? And what's, what does that really look like? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So it means that data can be exchanged um, easily and predictably between different products and applications. And let's just take some concrete examples. Let's say you are working with the idea of a project or a vendor or an invoice. These are kind of intuitive, uh, what we call data objects or entities that are represented in a software system. Procore might represent a project or an invoice one way. Autodesk might represent that same concept in a different way. They might even call it a different name. They might call it a job. They might call it a supplier. Having data be exchanged between those systems in an easy way is what we call interoperability. And to do that, there's got to be some translation layer that takes the object and the entity and the fields that compose that and map it to all the other systems. And that translation layer between systems is really what enables interoperability. And we can talk why that's important, what the use cases are, but really that's what we're doing today is allowing data to be exchanged between systems in an easy, predictable standardized way. So interoperability is about data standardization, allowing that to flow between systems um, in a way that doesn't make it challenging or difficult for the end user. It maybe happens behind the scenes. They don't even know it's occurring. So it should be seamless. Mm. So I'd love to dive into that because it's on the surface, it seems like it, there's this complexity to it because there's, you, you see all the different data silos and everything. And you're like, well, in order to connect that, that has to be a super complex yeah. uh, machine <laughs> running behind it. And somebody really figuring out which plug to, to put where, how is it not complex and how does it help really streamline systems? Well, it's, I, I, I'll agree with you. It is, it is problem <laughs> to solve, right? Um, this is why in many cases it, it remains an open uh, problem in, in construction, but also I would say, this is not specific to construction by any means. It, it is a key issue in healthcare. We were solving at Alexa for consumer um, data sets. Finance has this issue. HR has this issue. Take really any major industry or vertical manufacturing, industrials. They have this problem. Um, I was actually just talking with someone who's on the uh, 
Olympic committee for figure skating and they have this problem. Um, they, they need to connect their statistics to understand how do we, how do we relate these different data sets for figure skating? So yeah, it's a common problem is my point. Um, yeah. it's pointed in construction for the reasons we've discussed. There's a lot of, first of all, a lot of systems, there's high fragmentation, there's different categories of systems, right? There's project management, there's ERP, there's scheduling, there's file storage. You can go on and on and on maybe eight or 12 categories. And then within each of those, there's startups, which are cloud-based, and there's industry um, kind of large market share participants, which are maybe on-prem. So there's different means of software being deployed. So this is this is why um, it's particularly a challenge in construction. And mm. it is complex, is, is my point. So I'm, I'm agreeing with you on that. Now, why is it important to solve? Um, right now, companies spend a lot of time and money transferring data between applications manually because interoperability does not exist. So because when I create a project that doesn't automatically flow into my ERP, or when I register a cost to my ERP, that invoice isn't automatically available in my project management system. Uh, people have to manually make that transfer today. So people are spending time doing that. If you don't do that, data is out of, is out of date. So you don't have the most recent information in the software of the people who need it, whether to build or to invoice or to receive uh, purchase orders, things like this. So it's a very costly problem um, across every company in the industry. So it's important to solve, but it is hard to solve. And that's, that's kind of what we're setting out to do, if that makes sense. Bridging the Gap is powered by Graytech Group. As a global BIM and modeling expert, Graytech is dedicated to empowering construction and manufacturing professionals to digitize and industrialize their processes to improve performance and build a sustainable tomorrow. With more than 30 years in the industry, they know how to be your partner in a world where change is the new normal and always strive to enable their customers to gain an increased competitive advantage to model the future. Visit greatech-group.com for more information. Yeah, so what's the what's the first step that companies should be looking at taking to get, go, get further on down this road? Yeah, I think um, interoperability is one of these these intuitively attractive ideas. Um, it, it, it sounds good. Hey, let's chase it. Um, but you need to have a concrete problem you're solving because interoperability isn't valuable in and of itself, right? Um, just having things be more interoperable, it increases efficiency, but that needs to be tied to an actual business problem you have. So what we spend a lot of time doing is educating uh, both software vendors who we serve, but also contractors on where are you spending time today where you could save that time and redeploy that elsewhere or save that cost? Um, so starting with the end in mind, working backward from the problem you want to solve, and then maybe interoperability is the right solution. Maybe there's a better solution. Maybe it's a software upgrade. Maybe it's uh, a reorg of how you do things process-wise in your department. Interoperability is one way to solve problems. So the first step is, what problem are you trying to solve? Are you trying to better understand your business so you can predict costs more effectively? Are you trying to um, reduce manual dual data entry because your employees are complaining about it in the accounting department? W what are you trying to solve? And then let's work backward from that. So that, that's really step one. Yeah, I, I love that. Of What are you trying to come work with the, the end in mind and right. go backwards and develop out your plan? I'm, I'm all for that. So, uh, it, there is a, a mindset shift that is is required to kind of 
change and adapt with this. How do you go about convincing people uh, to really shift their their perspective to break down these silos and and truly start sharing the the information maybe more freely than than what they have in the past? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So I think there are two ways to cut that. One is on the contractor side. So let's just say we're working with a general contractor, specialty contractor who wants to solve some problem. Uh, they've identified step one, they've identified the problem, working backward from that. Um, step mm -hmm. two is often quantifying that. Um, in terms of time spent or uh, money lost or lack of visibility under this project, so we we have to, um, we incur some cost as a result of that. So it's trying to articulate the problem and then quantify it and then um, really wrap your arms around how big is this problem? How frequently is it occurring? Who's suffering the most within our company? Let's talk to them. How much time are they spending? And then quantify the problem and, and come up with a solution. So that's that's on the contractor side. We do a lot of that. Um, on the other side, for software vendors and partners, the platform we're building, really, we have to convince partners to um, grant us access to their systems. So an ERP, if we bring that online and support that under our, our API and our platform, we have to have access to those systems. So we, we spend a lot of time talking to software vendors, the ERP providers, the project management providers, the scheduling solution providers to articulate for them, what's the benefit of being more open? Mm. Because historically, many of these platforms ha have not been open. They haven't had the opportunity. There hasn't been the use case. There hasn't been the need. So they haven't prioritized it. We're asking for a change in their behavior. So we have to motivate them to say, we haven't done this for 30 years. Why would we start doing this today? So we go in and make the case um, really on, around a few points. One is you have higher user retention as a platform when you are more interoperable because customers can read and write data across all the software they use, meaning you integrate with them. And if you integrate with more solutions, you're stickier, people will stay on your platform longer. So we have data around that. We articulate that to our partners. Um, point two is customers demand it, um, which is in part why you know, user retention is higher, but it helps your sales cycle. So if you can go into a, a contractor selling a piece of software and say, look, we handle your AP automation, whatever it is. Um, we hook into your accounting system, your project management system. Um, that helps you close that sale much, much faster. So your conversion rate goes up, your sales cycle compresses, you can close more deals, grow revenue faster. So that's another major value prop. Value prop three for us for software vendors is Hey, look at Autodesk, look at Procore, look at, look at the biggest, fastest growing companies in the market. What's common among them? They're open, they have marketplaces, they have ecosystems. People are building on top of them. If I'm a new software company, I build apps in Procore and Autodesk because it's first of all easy, but two, a lot of people are using it. So having a platform that has an ecosystem is important going forward. Um, and we see this playbook executed well by, you see it with, with Salesforce, with Shopify, uh, Procore is now doing it. Autodesk is doing it. Software vendors are going to be required to do it in the future. It's hard to do, especially if you don't have that expertise. Um, we as Agave help you as a software vendor build that platform, that open and interoperability um, really at no cost. Uh, so that, that's the value prop for our software vendors. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes a ton of sense. One of the things that I, I find uh, really fascinating as of late is the the expectation that we have as consumers in our personal life that we, for some reason don't seem to fully bring into construction in that, you know, with Amazon, okay, you expect to see all the specs of any product that, that you ever want right. and you can order it. And two days later, it's at your doorstep where in construction, we, we don't hold each other 
to that same level of account where like, oh no, it's you know too complicated. I can't tell you what is necessarily going to be in the in the project just yet, and or when it's going to come for for timelines. And I know that there's it's a, a lot more complexity on the supply chain, but uh, I, I think that the example still comes in on we there's so much. Uh, it, if we demanded the, the expectations that we do in our personal life into this construction industry, we would see a, a huge level set pretty quickly. And, and I, the technology is there. We just have to adapt it like what you're doing right now. I think that's, yeah, and, that's and awesome. It, it's a really interesting point. And uh, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on why you think that is. But I, I remember back to the days when I was just coming out of college. Um, this is before you could kind of bring your own device to work. I think it was called like BYOD. Um, they get yeah. Blackberries. And, um, the shift started happening. It's like, I don't use a Blackberry anywhere else in my life. This seems a little outdated. Can't I just use my iPhone? And it, it was kind of the consumer. I want to bring my, my better hardware, my better software to my enterprise and just use that for my email. Can I do that? And eventually there was enough demand where, you know, companies popped up around this, the, the company I was working at adopted it and we could use our iPhones. Um, but it was expectations on the consumer side brought into the enterprise, which drove a, a behavioral mm -hmm. change. Um, which ultimately made our lives much easier. So, uh, you know, many years ago, uh, different industry, but yeah, it's it's uh, let's let's bring the the quality of our consumer software experience into the enterprise um, for for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair to construction, I think that over the the, the last decade or something, the, the tech has way <laughs> advanced <laughs> in in the last ten years. Where so it, it's a, there's a lot of new newness, <laughs> new mindsets on, on several different fronts and, and how do you interact and how do you deal with technology? And the, the technology is more trustworthy too over the, the last couple of years than, than what it was. Uh, and so you're, you're having to, to turn the tide on, on a couple of different areas there. But as the, from my vantage point is that the, the younger generations really mm -hmm. start to become more prevalent in construction. They're doing just as you said, of like, no, I'm going to bring my iPhone. Right. I don't need the BlackBerry, <laughs> and bring that expectation into the the industry, which is, uh, I think, a, a a great thing. Yeah, and one interesting point we've observed in uh, customer conversations is, um, I, I won't say the majority of companies, but there's a good chunk of of contractors out there who maybe were on the early adoption curve in that first wave of of SaaS hitting the market of cloud based solutions, mm -hmm. and maybe those solutions were premature or not ready to scale, and they they had a poor experience for whatever reason. Expectations were misaligned. Um, they weren't ready to deploy. The software company wasn't ready, ready to scale, whatever it was. And I think that still lingers with a lot of companies. So they're hesitant because software is an important choice and it can have real impact on their day-to-day their -day business. They're hesitant to adopt new software quickly. So I think there's a, there's a uh, let's wait and see approach. And then uh, once something gets massive adoption or, or at least hits a certain threshold, then people start to adopt it. But there's there's a hesitance to adopt new software, I think, for some companies because of their, I'll say, uh, you know, not great experience they had uh, in the past in that first wave of maybe five, 10 years ago, cloud solutions hitting construction. Mm. Oh, for sure. I think that's a, a huge yeah. element of it as well. Uh, so what kind of timeline do you think then uh, that is the industry on to really make this a, a reality? It's hard to say. Um, in part because we're not experts on on the history of construction. We don't we don't come from construction. We we come from software and data integration and, and cloud infrastructure. So 
I, I don't know is, is the short answer. I, what I can say is we're trying to make it faster. We are trying to make it easier um, to not only build software for the construction industry. So if you're a talented software developer and you could build for fintech or construction, um, there's a lot that's pushing you toward fintech today. It's There's the platform, there's the interoperability with companies like Plaid, um, and there's it's more intuitive. The data models make more sense. I have a bank account. I understand roughly, you know, how these things work. We're trying to lower the barrier for construction. Um, so that person, instead of going into FinTech, maybe goes into construction tech and they actually build better software for construction companies. So we're trying to be really lower the barrier and make it easier to build in the industry so we can have faster adoption and better creation of, of uh, higher quality software um, through attracting more talented software developers to the industry. So we can increase the, the uh, quality of the solutions we deliver for contractors. So in part, we're, I have no idea when it's going to happen, but we're trying to make it happen faster, um, I, I guess would be the takeaway. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Is there a, another area from big tech that construction can learn and, and pull in to the industry? Having more interoperability between the systems, maybe not just the data, but um, more openness. So like right now, if I'm a software developer, I could build on AWS. And it would be a challenge, but you could port over to Google Cloud or Azure. And there's that kind of transferability of what you're building between platforms. Whereas in construction, um, the big companies, of course, um, don't like each other. You know, Google isn't like Apple or, you know, Amazon isn't like Microsoft, whatever it is, but you can still move your your information between them fairly seamlessly. In construction, there's there's less of that. And that that makes your buying decision more important because you're betting on something that's hard to get out of. So mm-hmm. interoperability, allowing people to, to move freely between software systems removes the, the, the uh, like scariness of your initial purchase because if it doesn't work out, you can actually move pretty easily to a different platform. So I think that's an area where big tech has, has improved. And if you're a startup, you could start an AWS, but you can move to Azure um, over time. Here at Procore, moving to Autodesk is is hard, and that's by design. Um, so I think um, you know, I think actually a company like Procore is doing pretty well in in um, having open APIs and developer documentation, making it easier to to move between systems. Um, and I think that's something that uh, more companies could do um, because ultimately the end user, the customer, the contractor is who benefits from that, and that's really who matters. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, what does innovation mean to you then? Um, I think innovation is, is solving solving problems um, in, in creative ways that drive efficiencies for businesses. So you got to solve a problem. We go back to what we were talking about previously, you know, interoperability is not valuable in and of itself. It's got to solve a problem. And ideally you do that in a way which creates value for a company. And then you, you build a business around that, which is in part what we're trying to do. But um, you, you need to... Um, create value for businesses by solving their problems. And through technology, we, we, that's, that's how innovation happens. Um, so I, I think that's, uh, that's where companies need to focus is what problems do contractors have? Let's solve those. And then by iteratively building technology, delivering solutions, we call that innovation. Um, so I, I think it's really focused on uh, solving concrete problems. Yeah, I like it. Uh, how do people find out more information and connect with you? Uh, feel free to email me, Tom at agaveapi.com. Go to our website, agaveapi.com, or uh, find us on LinkedIn. 
Perfect. Well, last question for you. If I could give you all power and you could oh, snap your fingers and <laughs> innovate one thing in construction, what would you innovate? Well, I don't want, I don't want too much innovation because then we won't have opportunity, right? Uh, the, the lack <laughs> of innovation is, uh, is where we, uh, where we play. Um, I like it. You're the first person that's pushed back on, on the premise. Of I, it. I, want, I like I want it. Less, I like it. That's more opportunity for us. That, that's, I snap my fingers. Let's go back 10 years. So we, we can, uh, we, we can see it. Um, I, I think the, the hardest part about building, at least in our experience, building a business in construction is the go-to-market distribution, actually talking, finding customers, talking to them, understanding their problems and having them be articulate about their problems such that they're, they're open to, to working with us um, or, or any company. So that finding that, that end user, that potential end user um, I think it's particularly hard about construction that go to market. And I'm sure you've heard this time and time again in your podcast. Um, that that's really hard in construction, not to say it's easy in any, any, any industry, but if, if somehow there were a solution to connect companies, uh, whether big or small with potential end users and facilitate that communication, understanding problems, testing out solutions, I, I think that would be super valuable, uh, for us and for many others. So, uh, maybe, maybe that would be the answer. Yeah. I like it. Uh, a, a connection hub, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. That people can go in. And, we, we, need uh, to, uh, we, yeah. we need to bridge the gap, one might say. <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Points for you. <laughs> uh, I like it. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, Tom, thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining the show today. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Todd. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. I loved when Tom said that you need to ask yourself what is the problem that you are trying to solve and then work backwards to develop the roadmap and plan. This allows you to truly create value in your solution. Second take, interoperability isn't a threat, but really a chance for growth. Connected systems is what brings greater opportunity for all involved from the provider to the end user. And finally, don't be afraid to share the information you know. As we see with so many things in our day-to-day -day life, the free flowing of information does not limit us, but allows us to level up and constantly improve. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, Bridging the Gap Pod. Com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production, copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.